You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 265. Cakes and chocolates were something that I enjoyed doing, but then I saw that there was a market for it. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I'm so happy that you're joining me here today because I have something super special in store for you. For the next four weeks, I'm talking with various women who have, dare I say, embraced the challenges of COVID-19 and are now not just surviving in their businesses, but thriving. I'm hearing people talk about this being the new awakening. Maybe, but no matter what you believe, I'm seeing positive changes come out of this need to step back and analyze, not just ourselves, but our businesses. It's exciting to hear that some of these creative ideas, initially implemented just to get through, have added so much value that they'll continue long after our new normal becomes routine. My goal over these next four episodes is to prompt you to relook at your ways too. There may be a new idea that you can take on, or one sentence that may spark a brand new action that could make your business soar. The common thread through all of these businesses is that the owners were willing to think differently and test their ideas. I want you to do the same. So today, let's envision something. Imagine that this past January, so just a few short months ago, you moved into a brand new retail location. The excitement of planning the colors and designing the space. The anticipation of showing it to new and current customers. The freshness and possibility of it all. And then, word of this mysterious virus appears and spreads and things get more and more serious. This is real life to Kim, our guest today. You'll hear how she looked at the situation, took inventory of what she had available to her, and decided that she would make her business essential. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Kim Terrell of Kim's Cottage Confections. Kim started her baking and chocolate making business in the late 1990s while working full-time as a technical writer for a woman's retail corporation. She began out of her home, then moved to a production location in early 2004. This small production location has grown into a full retail specialty bake shop and confection shop serving Greater Connecticut. They are the preferred cake vendor at several wedding and special event venues and caterers. Kim says there's rarely been a weekend without a wedding cake order in over 15 years. Wow, Kim, that's crazy. (laughs) Welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much, Sue. I'm so happy to be here. I'm thrilled that you're here. Seriously, 15 years? Yes. People get married every weekend of the year. We have weddings traditionally on New Year's weekend, the weekend before Christmas, the weekend after Christmas. 
the first weekend in January. It's amazing that people get married 52 weekends of the year. Wow. Well, I guess if you really think about it, it's true, (laughs) right? But then the really cool thing is that you are helping serve and provide the cakes for all those weddings. And certainly it didn't start out that way. So I'm excited to hear the story. But let's just first do what I like to do on the show. And that is a little bit of a traditional thing. And I know you know, because we've talked about the fact that you listen to the show. So first off, thank you for that. You're welcome. But now I'm excited to hear you describe yourself through your own motivational candle. So if you were to tell me the color and the quote that's a candle that really resonates with you, Kim, share what it would be with all of our listeners. So the candle color would just be the most beautiful summer day blue sky. Because even though we're busy and baking and in our kitchen all during the day, my favorite part of the day is just to walk out in the afternoon and look up and see the sky so beautiful blue on a gorgeous summer day, especially if it's a perfect day for a wedding. It's just there's something so special about a crystal clear blue day. Yeah, I can close my eyes right now and imagine that pure, beautiful blue, like you say. Yes, and on this gloomy April day, we're grateful for those blue sky days. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And the quote that's on the candle is, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Oh, so, you know, always look forward. Don't look back. Always look forward. Because if the day didn't start out, sunny and bright with that blue sky, there's always the opportunity that it's going to change to that. Mm -hmm. And there's always tomorrow. There you go. And it's something that's controllable. Absolutely. You can't go back. You know, so many people will dwell on the past. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. Why not take the energy and say, okay, yeah, I might have wished I would have done that. But now what can I do? How can I affect that going forward? Exactly. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So now that we just said we don't go back, Let's do go back. <laughs> just <laughs> for a quick visit. Just real quick. Yeah, quick visit. I like that. And share with us a little bit about how your business got established. And I'm really curious. You mentioned you were a technical writer with women's retail. What does that mean? So I was the systems and procedures manager for Ann Taylor back in the day when Ann Taylor was in its heyday. And we had stores opening all over the country. And I wrote the manuals that got the stores open. So I traveled all over the country to all the new store openings and trained the managers on how to use the systems and procedures. And it was very, very exciting in the late 80s, early 90s when that was my career. I worked part of the week in Manhattan on 57th Street, and I would always bring treats in to the office when I went into New York. And my boss used to say, you're a great writer, but you're an even better baker. Interesting. Yes. And I always had it as something that I did as a hobby. But in the retail world, things change. And I started baking more and more and decided to give it a go to make it into a business. So were you thinking about it mostly because of the feedback that you were getting then from them from the outside in? Or like, what was the exact moment? Or were you thinking about it over time? And then all of a sudden, you decided to flip the switch? Well, retail is so volatile and things were changing. Ann Taylor had been bought out by a major corporation. So my position was significantly altered. And at the same time, I was just baking and doing more and more cakes and more and more chocolates and more and more special orders. And it came to the point where I was 
very busy trying to establish the business. And I was young, newly married, no children. And I look back at it now and can't believe I did it. But I actually left my job to start a business, which now I think, wow, really? (laughs) What were you thinking? (laughs) But I did and put a commercial kitchen right in our home and started the business right that way. Wow. Okay. So I think people are more accustomed to someone making a jump like that now, because let's face it, entrepreneurism and having your own business now is looked upon, I'm going to say, still some people think we're crazy. Like, we'll just agree with that, right? Right. But I think back then, they really thought we were crazy if you were doing it, because it wasn't as talked about yet, right? I look back now and I think, how did I even market my business? There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram you really did rely on someone opening the newspaper and seeing the ad that you placed. And the yellow pages were a thing. (laughs) Yeah, they were. Remember those big books? (laughs) I do. You'd come home and you'd see one at your front door. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I want to stick with the development of your business just for a minute, because I also feel right during this time, there are people who are thinking about, okay, I'm furloughed right now, or I'm staying at home for a little bit. Maybe I should be starting something on the side just so I've got another stream of income coming in besides my job, but they're fully intending to coming back. But I think it's on a lot of people's minds right now. And if I understood your story correctly, that is really what you did. While you were working at Ann Taylor, and thank you for that, by the way, because I was one of your customers. (laughs) Oh, very good. (laughs) I'm sure you still have beautiful clothes from Ann Taylor, too. They are timeless. (laughs) They're timeless, and they're well-made, so they last. And the styles come back again, right? True, true. I'd have to rethink about the size anymore. (laughs) That's a whole nother story. Different podcast. (laughs) Yeah, different podcast. But it did sound like you were testing the concept, whether you realized that that was really what you were doing or not, on the side while you had your job. Yeah. So I think it's nice for people to know that that is possible. You can be doing two things at once. So you don't have to jump in two feet in the water. Maybe you'll swim. Maybe you won't. You know, you can start building something up gradually on the side. Right. And a business is very different when it's your income versus your hobby. And I think that starting it slowly and maybe doing it on the side gives you the chance to know if this is something that you want to do 24-7. Good point. So as you were developing, you were saying you were getting requests already. Were you just baking and testing out your skills? And as you're saying, testing how you felt about it with the idea of it being a business or, well, talk to me a little bit about that. So I was testing the waters and I really enjoyed what I was doing. And I was taking classes. I literally went to a cake decorating, a local cake decorating school in the next town was offering classes. I took every class possible and I really, I did enjoy it. And I had always baked. It was always something that was part of my past cookies and cakes and chocolates were something that I enjoyed doing. But then I saw that there was a market for it. And that people were interested in ordering cakes that were more than just grocery store cakes. So I explored all the different options for how cakes could be decorated and different formulas and different recipes. And honestly, they're the recipes I still use to this day. Well, why not if they work? Absolutely. And actually, I think that when people know a flavor that they're envisioning when they have the cake, they're going to want the same thing from you. Right. 
Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. So you landed it almost (laughs) in the beginning. So that's very cool. (laughs) Okay. And so talk us through, and then we'll leave the past. Then we're going to go on to the future. Okay. But talk me through how you decided. And Taylor kind of gave you a little bit of a nudge because they were changing. Right. And it came down to I had just been shuffled out of one department to another department. I was working for kind of the accounting department. And there was just, you know, the position that I had had evolved or devolved really into more of an administrative position. And I just, as I said, it was the right time just to say, okay, I'm going to give this a shot and see if I can turn this into a business. Okay, so really critical time. And this, again, is going to be good for people who are listening. So I'm excited to hear what you're going to say about this. So you already have experience. You've taken classes. You've tested your product. Were you selling some of your product already at that point? I was. I was renting a kitchen at the YWCA. I started out, of course, experimenting. But I quickly moved into a kitchen at the local YWCA where I rented a kitchen and did a lot of the product development out of that kitchen. Okay. And so now you no longer have your day job. Correct. You're going to do this full time. Take me to that place of, was it one day you left, you closed the door on Ann Taylor, and then that next Monday or whatever it was, did you just fully ramp up or how did the transition look? Yes. So we had to build a kitchen. Because you were anticipating a lot of business. Yes. I was going to make this my business. This was my focus and my goal. We put a kitchen in the basement of our home. I had a beautiful walkout basement that we put the kitchen in, inspected by the health department, and started making cakes, but also confections that I took to craft fairs, which is why I'm so attracted to this podcast and everyone in here in the Gift Biz group, because I really loaded my car every Saturday and went to every craft fair home show, anything that I could use to market my business. Okay. So when you talk about getting your name out, that was what you were doing besides newspaper because print was still, okay, so we're talking 15 years. So we're still talking early to mid nineties. Yeah. Like really the mid nineties. Okay. So midnight. So print still was a thing viable. Absolutely. Yellow pages were starting to peter out, I'd say about that time. There was more online listings. The internet was coming into becoming more prevalent and you could list your business online, but there was still no marketing online. Right. And a lot of people didn't even have access yet to computers. Right. I mean, we were just starting to get them. Boy, it seems so long ago. To <laughs> think so. I'm trying to remember those days. I know. <laughs> I know. But I love what you're saying about craft shows. So let's talk about this some more, because I think people forget that this is a good evolution. First, starting with people you know, testing things out, getting acceptance or feedback in any way, right? Developing your product and starting to grow it. And then face-to-face, I think, is so important. So I would load up every, as I said, every Saturday, and I brought chocolate. So we made every, I had every chocolate mold. I made filled chocolates, truffles, dipped chocolates, dipped pretzels. We dip everything in chocolate. And I also brought just a photo album of my cakes. And I would show people who were interested photos of cakes that we had done. And we booked birthday cakes and confirmation and graduation cakes. And then it evolved into showers and weddings. From the craft table. 
from yes. these tables at the craft shows. And let's all remember that your product is very temperamental, like with the weather and all that. Absolutely. I did mostly indoor because I really was concerned about being outdoors sure. in the weather. So I focused mostly on indoor, but I would make connections and network at all of these craft fairs just to keep my client list growing. Right. Okay. So break that down a little bit for us. What do you mean by growing your connections and networking with people? What specifically were you doing? I would talk to other crafters and I would just say, what other craft shows are you doing? Where are you finding the biggest traffic? Who are the craft fairs exhibitors who do the best job marketing their craft fairs and just really try to make sure that where I was spending my time was the biggest bang for my buck, honestly. And are you still doing shows? Not today, today, but right now? Like, is that part of your plan? I wish I could do craft fairs. It's very challenging to have a retail location and take your business on the road because no matter what, you always feel like you're packing up and leaving something behind. Okay, very good point. And we've not ever talked about this before, but at some point as your business evolves, it makes sense that you would be focused really on one or the other. Yes, I do bridal shows. I do showcase still at wedding shows. So where we do bring our product to a venue or a exhibition hall where prospective brides and grooms come in and see all different aspects of the wedding industry. So that is still a very big piece of my marketing, but not as much craft fairs. Well, and that makes sense because that audience is completely condensed to your customer. You know, yes. they're looking for all their services for the wedding. So that makes total sense. And that also, I think, explains why you have had 15 years of weekly right. wedding cakes, right? <laughs> right. We are out there for sure. You know, it seems so obvious, but I think we forget that that's something that you want. You've got to go where people are. Oh, you do. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we always say, you know, depending on your business, well, I want more customers, I want more customers, but you got very specific with weddings and went right where they were and really marketed to them for the result that you have today. Exactly. So share with us, if you would, some learnings that you had from craft shows, because again, I definitely teach, especially when you're starting out, that the very best thing you can do is face-to-face, -face, get interaction, understanding with people who are looking at your products understand what they're attracted to and why they do buy, but also why they don't. What is it? Is your product too big? Is it too colorful? It's just not their style, which is fine, by the way. You need to know all those things, the good and the bad. True. So like I always am talking craft shows, especially when people are starting out, because that's the way you can be right next to somebody and, and have an interaction, a conversation. What from your professional experience have been some of the good things and the bad things about craft shows, like warnings for people who are starting to do shows? Well, I think you have to go into every craft fair expecting the best, but prepared, really prepared for minimal sales, because you're reliant on the mood of the customer of that day. And not every craft fair, even year to year, is going to have the same result that it did the year before. So I think you have to go in and just be upbeat and positive about what you're bringing to the craft fair and not compare yourself to everyone else at the craft fair or how busy someone looks or that someone else's setup is better than yours. You just have to be in that moment proud of what you brought that day and just treat every day as a learning experience because not every 
shopper is there for your product that day. But maybe they're going to recognize a genuine attitude and that you brought a beautiful product they didn't need right then, but they're going to keep you in mind for the next event that they have that they need that. Right. Well, and Kim, you're so personable. I mean, we've started to get to know each other a little bit more over the past, I don't know, month or so. Mm -hmm. You're so personable and friendly and just really comfortable to talk with. And I think that probably carries over to the shows too, even though you're not doing them now. I think you're probably the same person back a few years ago. (laughs) Thank you. And that plays to the point of you need to interact with people at the shows because they get a real sense of who you are. I remember one show that I was at, it was a really down show. And it, you know, I brought great product. It was probably right around Easter. And I thought, oh, it's spring. I brought Easter. I brought some things for dance recitals, ballet shoes, things like this. And I had not had great sales that day. And, you know, it can be a downer because you're there for a long time. You spent a long time producing and getting ready. And a woman stopped at my table and started asking me a lot of questions. Just really, I felt like, wow, she's grilling me. What is all this for? And she turned out to be the owner of a small specialty chocolate store in one of our high-end towns, very close to where we are. And she became my greatest customer. She bought all of her product from me. We did her molded chocolates. We did her filled chocolates. It just taught me that you never know what the possibility is. Talk to everyone. Even though it seemed, I thought she's a competitor. She's asking me what kind of product I use because she's trying to gain some sort of information. And she ended up just wanting to be my customer. That's a good lesson though. You make sure to treat all customers. I don't know that you say equally, maybe you do. But the other thing is that I always think of is when you're at a craft show, people are coming really dressed casual, right? So you have no idea if that person who's wearing a baseball cap and in shorts and a t-shirt is somebody like you're describing, you know, who owns some big shop. And I think back to that day and how, thank goodness, I was personable and the way it started out and the way it ended were just, again, change. You can't go back and change at the beginning, but definitely you could change the ending. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and it also speaks to the point that a show of any sort, whether it's a local craft show, even a trade show where you're looking to get wholesale customers also, which is really what this ended up being, right? Right. Absolutely. You only need one great new contact to make the show totally worthwhile. Absolutely. Final question for you on craft shows, because I have a lot of other things I want to deal with you about. How did you deal with continuity? Like if people were at a craft show and came up to your table... How did you ensure that they knew how to get in touch with you when they were ready to buy a product? How did you stay in touch with them? Or So I had, you know, of course, business cards and menus that we would provide for every show. And then much better than today, I did reach out to people via email. And I did email marketing, which you and I have spoken recently about. I have fallen off email marketing, but I did send a newsletter, or at the very least, a price list, a reminder that new products were coming out, or that I'd be at a new show. Here's a list of the shows I'll be at. And actually, they were postcards. I used to actually mail postcards. Now that I think, I remember making postcards on the computer and hand addressing them and putting them in the mailbox. There you go. Well, those were the marketing tools of the day, right? right? And email, like everyone was talking about it, that was the new thing until social media came around. Right. 
So I think a lot of people have let email slip because they're thinking social media replaces it where really you can use the two in tandem. Absolutely. And direct marketing, you are speaking my game because that's what (laughs) we did. You know, specialty, highly targeted direct marketing. And that was a big deal and did serve people well for a long time. Super expensive now. Right. I always put like a 10% coupon or mention this card and get a free cookie, whatever it was. But I do remember the actual physical mailing of postcards. Wonderful. Good learning because what you're showing us is the craft show is not for the point in time when you're at the show. You can take information if you've planned. So you have the materials at the table or collecting email addresses now or telling people to follow you on social, you know, whatever the method is. But you want to have some type of a method so that then when people leave, they're going to remember you. There's access back. Right. Yeah. Because we can't expect them to remember us. We have to remind them. There's just too much going on. Right. And there could be 60 other people at that show that they're going to remember. So you want to make sure that you can find a way to contact them at a later date. Agreed. I would also say, I'm just thinking about this now, having your picture as the owner of the business and the one who's at the craft show on literature, I also think could be a good reminder of, oh, I remember talking with her. Like it's a trigger instead of just having the company name. Yes. I'm just thinking of that now. That's a very good idea. Just came to mind face recognition. Yeah, because then, and especially because you're so friendly and comfortable to talk to, I think that plays in your advantage. So that's another way to trigger the memories, which exact booth it was or table it was, et cetera. All right. So you're in the production. Is this true or not? I'm trying to go back. You're still in your basement based on our story, right? Yes. Okay. And at what point then did you move to your brick and mortar and turn it into production and a shop? a retail shop. This is interesting. We had moved out of our home in one town to we two children now, and we wanted to move them to a small town. So we moved to a much smaller town with a lot of requirements for health licensing. We had a septic system and not public water. And there were a lot of requirements around having a commercial kitchen in your home that the timeline with buying a home and finding the right home to put a kitchen, it just wasn't all melding. So I actually, for a time, gave up the business to go back to writing. I was a local newspaper reporter, and I did some online writing and wasn't doing any baking. And then I noticed one day taking my daughter to preschool that there was a little... So she was in a plaza in the back. So picture like driving down two hills of a driveway and around the back is her preschool. And next to the preschool is an empty storefront. No. (laughs) If I could only say what I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, but I actually said, oh, I could just put my ovens in there and I could just go back to baking wholesale. And I did. I actually, that's when we moved our kids. We moved to this new town and I put my commercial kitchen in the back of a plaza down two hills around the back with absolutely no street front signage. But that's okay because you didn't want people to be walking in. You were doing wholesale, right? Right. I didn't. 
And so it worked out. It actually was good. So my daughter went to the preschool next door. And when she was done with preschool, she would come and hang out in the bakery until it was time to pick my son up from school. And it really was just a wholesale bakery. I did cakes for restaurants. I did orders. Customers were still ordering from me. So I was filling orders. And what was Oh, and I started, I also was doing kids' birthday parties. That was how I was going to pay my rent. Well, and that makes sense. You've got people who are, because you clearly had a sign, like people had to know that something was baking there. Plus, it probably smelled great. It smelled amazing. When the kids would go by, they're like, it's the bakery. It smells like cookies. Yes. Well, (laughs) can I first say, I wish I was your daughter. (laughs) That sounds amazing. (laughs) So you had a little bit of visibility there that, probably didn't pass you up that there were people who were going to know about you and they have children who need cupcakes for birthdays and all that. I mean, that's kind of indirect, but I'm sure you got business. Correct. I had a captive audience. Absolutely. But I also kind of invented this birthday party model where we would have kids come in and have their birthday party at my shop. And it was a two hour party and we would do crafts and then cupcakes or cookie decorating. And of course, this was at a time when people were moving their birthday parties out of their homes and thinking, this is great. Someone else has the kids in, they make the mess there, they do everything there, and then we go home. And that model worked extremely well until my wedding business and specialty business really picked up. And it was hard to have a display room with beautiful cakes and also be offering birthday parties and have the birthday kids feel like they had the run of the space. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. I started to feel that I was doing a disservice to the birthdays because they would have to be after the shop closed. And I really started having beautiful things, displays that I didn't want to be interfered with by the kids coming to the birthday parties. So we let go of that part of it and let the business grow in a different direction. And are you still in that same location now? No, I have moved to the location that I'm at now. I moved, I opened January 8th, what, like two months before the world fell apart. Like January 8th this year. 2020. Okay. <laughs> 2020 was going to be my year. It is still. <laughs> this is what I wanted to talk to you about. But I'm going to make everybody wait for just a second while we hear a quick word from our sponsor. Yes, it's possible. Increase your sales without adding a single customer. How you ask? By offering personalization with your products. Wrap a cake box with a ribbon saying, Happy 30th birthday, Annie. Or add a special message and date to wedding or party favors for an extra meaningful touch. Where else can you get customization with a creatively spelled name or fine packaging that includes a saying whose meaning is known to a select two? Not only are customers willing to pay for these special touches, they'll tell their friends and word will spread about your company and products. You can create personalized ribbons and labels in seconds. Make just one or thousands without waiting weeks or having to spend money to order yards and yards. Print words in any language or font. Add logos, images, even photos. Perfect for branding or adding ingredient and flavor labels too. For more information, go to theribbonprintcompany.com. So I have to share with our listeners here, Kim, 
if you're over in my private Facebook group, Gift Biz Breeze, right now, three times a week, I'm going on really supporting the community. By the way, all of you have probably heard the promo. You'll hear it again at the end of this show about how you can join. But it's a place where anyone who's a maker, whether you're thinking, already established, or totally successful like Kim is, We all come and support each other because everyone brings a lot of great information. And another thing we do is on Thursday nights right now, this isn't going to last forever, (laughs) I can tell you that, but on Thursday night, we're doing Zoom calls that anyone can come in and that's less businessy, but more just chatting, talking, supporting each other. And of course, we all know now on Zoom how easy it is to communicate back and forth. And so Kim's jumped on now and has always been participating over in Gift Biz Breeze anyway, but we started talking about how you've taken and adjusted your business based on the current situation, because at the time of this recording, we are still, for the most part, at home, except now we're starting to see a couple of states starting to open up. So this is that's when we're recording here. But some of the things that Kim has done to just manage through the situation are so great that I'm like, okay, stop talking, Kim. <laughs> I said that to you, right? I'm like, we can't talk about this anymore because I want to hear about it on the podcast. Will you come on the show? And so that's how this whole thing started. So now that we're getting to this point in time and you've referenced it, I want to dive into that. Okay. So you decide that 2020 is going to be your year. You have a brand new brick and mortar shop. So all the excitement, fear, anxiety, nerves, all of it, like there's so much, I'm sure, that goes together. Absolutely. Right. So before the virus started hitting, like maybe the two weeks you had (laughs) before (laughs) we started hearing about it, how was the transition and people coming in? Like, tell us where you were before everything happened. So we spent from October, I would say mid-October to really January getting this new shop ready. So my mom, my sister, my sister's partner, really were instrumental in helping me get the shop ready. We painted, we picked paint colors, the curtains, we just everything centered around this new location. My kids were involved. We were so excited. December 28th, I closed my former location and moved all the equipment, everything to the new location. It's a little town next door to the town I was in. And Oh, we were so excited. Just we couldn't wait to open. So I had a soft opening. And then I have a great friend who's a photographer. She came in and she did this big Facebook spread. And the next day, it just blew up. People were coming in for coffee and muffins, all the things that we had added to our menu. In addition to we were planning this amazing year of specialty cakes, weddings, showers, we had baby showers, just everything. I couldn't wait to showcase everything in this new location. We were meeting with brides Saturdays from nine to four. We meet with brides who come in and pick their wedding cake and do their tastings. And I was so proud to show this new space off. And we were just getting in a groove. I have a great team and we were just so excited. And I'm going to say that you're just putting a little pause on, right? Like it's just a little pause temporarily. I said, this is a pause. This is a pause. So on March 13th, 14th, I was starting to hear about, you know, the virus and that 
things were going to start and my events were starting to get postponed. Like we're not going to do it in March. We're thinking we might do it in April. Okay, we'll do it in April. And then on Monday, March 16th, our governor in Connecticut said all restaurants, all venues, all catering, all non-essential businesses are closing at eight o'clock Monday night. And even though you were food, which is essential because you were specialty cakes, did you not fit into essential at that time then? I didn't feel essential. I said, am I essential? I remember my son said to me, are you essential? And I said, yes, I am. And I'm going to make myself essential. (laughs) And I said, I serve coffee. I serve breakfast. I'm going to fill a void in the community. People have to go somewhere. If Dunkin' Donuts can be essential, I'm going to be essential. I love the power behind what you just said. I don't know if I'm essential, but I'm going to make myself essential. I did. I said, that is my option is I am going to be essential until someone tells me I'm not. And I will say, Sue, it's very hard right now because I believe every business is essential. Every business is essential to someone. Every friend that I have that has a small business, everyone that I know is hurting so much because how can you tell a business they're not essential? They're essential to someone. It's so frustrating and it's very challenging to have someone say, you have to close your business. Now figure out a way to stay viable and stay relevant when we've told you you're not essential and you have to close your doors. So It's hard. I went through a lot of guilt in the beginning, just feeling like, how can I say I'm essential? But the truth is, I needed to survive. And this was really my only opportunity to support myself. So how did you switch from being the specialty cakes? How did you enhance your business so that you were essential? What did you do? I just expanded my menu to everything that I could think of that people would come in and purchase with their coffee to bring, if they were still working, to bring a box of muffins into the office to, I really didn't want to be like a breakfast coffee shop, but I just made sure that I had enough of a variety every day that when people came in to get their coffee, they have to drive by me every day. And I wanted to make sure that when they came in, they felt like they stopped and it was worth their stop. I got to say, like around me, a lot of the drive throughs are open, but like Starbucks walk-in isn't available right now. Well, we put gloves outside our door. Mm-hmm. We have the demarcations for the six feet apart. We are wearing face masks now. That is the mandate now. We are wearing face masks. We're in a temperate climate. It's probably like 50s during the day. So I do leave my door open so that no one even has to touch the handle. We have a front door and a rear door, so you could essentially make the circle through so you don't have to go back to people waiting in line. You come in kind of the parking lot is the back, and you can go out the front door and walk back around to the parking lot. Got it. Okay, so you really, you made your environment accommodating to what the rules need to be, kind of like how grocery stores are doing, and then you adjusted your menu to fit what people would be buying right now. Yes. So pastries, muffins. So we do about six kinds of muffins every day. We do scones. We do filled croissants. We do turnovers, great cookies. We always have cupcakes. 
And we've really expanded desserts to go, crumb cake, things that people Mm -hmm. can pick up and take home and have. I find that people are buying like a dozen things to last them a few days rather than a coffee and a muffin to drive on their way to work. Right. I agree with that. And so now what's happened on the cake side? Well, cakes, people are still celebrating and they've just gotten much smaller. We used to do a cake maybe for 20 people would be our average size cake. And now it's down to a cake for six people. But they still want beautiful cakes and beautifully decorated cakes. So we're offering the cakes that we would typically do for a larger party just on a much smaller scale. Got it. I love how much you've pivoted, but you've stayed in your lane. Well, that was important to me. That was the question I asked you first when I first came on Facebook Live. I didn't want to lose my client base that was used to following my Instagram for all of these beautiful desserts. And now I'm posting like a muffin menu. And I didn't want my clients to think, oh, she's abandoned her beautiful cake business for muffins. But I needed to be able to market to both. Well, you're conforming to the situation too. You know, and I think a lot of it is in the messaging. This is what you're doing temporarily to help serve your customer and you'll be back. Like it's right. not going away. You still have all the skills and the talent and the knowledge and the clientele. It will be back. But meanwhile, what else can you do? So I'm curious, the people who are walking in right now, are you seeing a lot of new people? A lot of new people. Yes. A lot of new people who are out for a ride and we're on a, a main road. So out for a ride, have never been here before. This is a great spot. Very positive feedback from people who are coming in that are new customers. That's exciting for you for the future, for sure. So, and now I want to get into what is an equally exciting thing. And this is what I don't know as much because this is when I said, stop talking, Right. (laughs) (laughs) right? But you are also helping other small businesses in your area right now. So this isn't all just about you. And I love the strategy that you've employed. So share with us what else you're doing. So in the beginning, when I moved here in January, the biggest question that I got every day was, oh, are you going to sell bread? Are you going to make bread? Do you have bread? Oh, are you going to sell bread? I every day said, I am not a bread baker. I don't make bread, but I sensed this urgency for, especially as things got closer to where we are right now, just that people really wanted bread. So I reached out to a woman right in my town who has a business in her home who makes the most amazing bread. She also makes scones and muffins and cookies and things like that. So she is a true competitor, but her bread is phenomenal. And I reached out to her and said, Kathy, her name is Kathy Duffy from Sweet Sage Bakery. And I said, Kathy, I'd love to sell your bread. There's a need here and people are really clamoring for bread. And I told her, you know, I could watch YouTube all weekend and learn to bake bread but you already bake bread. And I'd much rather bring you in and have your bread here. People know her and she's, she's phenomenal. And this bread is a sourdough bread that the starter she's used for 25 years, but it originated at a French monastery and its origin is over 400 years old. And I thought this has a history. It's an interesting story. I'm going to bring her bread in. So we now have her three days a week and we sell out all the time. Does she actually come into the store then and do her own transactions? No, she delivers Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday. Got it. So that's merged. So it's kind of like a wholesale arrangement right now. 
Yeah, I just have her bread there. I sell it for her. Some people only buy bread. They only come in and buy her bread. But for the most part, people come in, they buy a loaf of bread, they get a cup of coffee, they get a couple of cupcakes. So it's been a great business partnership. Absolutely. And again, you're exposing each other's businesses because she now can promote to her customers that, yeah, I can't, you know, whatever her normal channels are, but they could get it at your shop, which is nice and convenient, which means people are coming in and then they're being exposed to all of what you're offering as well. Right. Well, what was heartbreaking for her is that her main channel of sales during this time is a prominent university right the next town. And when the university closed, she lost her whole connection to selling her bread. So it really was a huge upheaval for her. But now we offered her a channel. So it's been a great partnership. I love that. I mean, just, you know, helping you virtually have helped her save her business right now. Yeah, and I hope expand it because we're introducing it to so many more people than may have had it in the past. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing is, I mean, you could have so easily said, I'm not doing that because then the other people are going to see the other products that she has that are similar. No, and I didn't put my name on it. She brings it in. It's got her name, her everything. There's no mixed advertising at all. Just warms my heart to hear that you did that for her. And I know both of you are going to be rewarded going into the future. So absolutely love that. Do you have plans on carrying that out with other people? I have another great business relationship and actually a friendship with a young girl who started her own business hand painting wine glasses. And she started the business A Glass Full of Hope to raise money. She has the biggest heart, but to raise money for a family to build a home in the Dominican Republic. And she was in high school. She worked for me a few years when she was in high school. And she said, Oh, I'm thinking about painting these glasses. And I'd like to raise money for this family in the Dominican Republic to help them build a home because they're very poor. And she started this business in her home. It's been I think she just turned 25. So it's probably been 10 years. And she's really expanded the line. So we're bringing that in. She just delivered an order to me over the weekend. And we're setting up a space in the shop for her to showcase her glasses. Because right now, Mother's Day is coming and graduation will happen in some form. And she has a real talent for putting people's, you know, alma mater or their school on these glasses. She hand paints them. And I think that they would just be a really nice addition to what we're showcasing. Yeah. And it blends with your current product. It's not something that's so far off that it's like, well, why is that in here? like hair bows or something. (laughs) Right. We'll intermingle it with some of the graduation products that we're showcasing. I get a sense from customers shopping right now that they're looking to do a lot of shopping in one place because there's such an angst going into a big box store, the face mask and the gloves and the six feet apart, that if I can help them find maybe a little more of what they're looking for where I'm located that will just make their experience that much better. Absolutely. I'm kind of picturing displays with wine glasses with chocolate inside. Yes. Maybe you could wrap them like as a gift something. And we have wine filled chocolate. So. Oh, (laughs) it goes right with it. It does. It does. I'm going to have to road trip, I think, Kim. (laughs) At some point, I'm going to have to stop in. All right. I'd love that. 
None of us know exactly when things will start getting back to normal, but I know you're a planner because I'm seeing how strategic you are and you're just taking what comes and and managing through. What are you thinking as we move out of this and we're all able to get back out and over time restrictions will change? What are your thoughts for your business in the future? Well, I'm embracing what I'm finding right now and I'm really enjoying the one-on-one customer interaction as opposed to delivering a cake for 200 people. And I, I only know three of them that I met when we did our initial consultation. So I'm embracing getting to know a lot of new clients and having more one-on-one interaction. I sadly think it's going to be some time before we're back to gathering together with 200 of our closest friends. I just see mm-hmm. weddings really changing And I've been on a lot of webinars and listening to a lot of ways that things are going to be changing. So I'm prepared for my business definitely going in a little bit of a different direction, I think for the next year at least. Mm -hmm. Well, you're lucky again because of what you've done. You can kind of up a lever in one in one place and lower it in another. Like you still got your wedding cake services, so there'll be some right. of that. But then you also have the walk-in, which it sounds like you're enjoying equally as much and maybe even more. Right. Well, it's, it's definitely challenging. Every day I'm there at five wondering, what am I going to make today? What's going to appeal to customers today? I'm going to start doing more cakes for when people walk in to just grab a cake to go so that it's a special celebration on the spur of the moment and you can have a beautiful cake. So that's one of my goals, especially with Mother's Day coming and being prepared for small graduation parties and small intimate weddings that might be happening with 10 or 15 people as opposed to something that's on a larger scale. Do you ever do matching cakes that go like let's say two people can't be together let's say a mother and father and then a daughter husband and they've just had a new baby let's say do you ever Mm -hmm. do like two cakes where they would both get the same cake and they could go on zoom and experience the same cake but in two separate places that's fantastic no but i can see that happening And seeing people enjoying that, yes. Yeah, because if you're in the same community, I mean, I think it's heartbreaking, some of the relationships that can't get together. I mean, there's so much love and so much to celebrate. And Zoom is a good thing, but adding to the experiences. Our town has, in Connecticut, we have the largest agricultural fair in Connecticut. I'm part of the Durham Fair. And one of the things that I've been a part of to spread some joy to people that are celebrating but that are quarantined at home is our mascot. Marigold, the cow, is going out and delivering cow grams, which are happy birthday greetings or get well greetings. And they're bringing along one of our cupcakes. Oh, I love that. As part of there. It's really exciting. So we have done a lot of that and we're getting a nice following from that as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Is that on Facebook anywhere to see? It is. Yeah, it's on the Durham Fair page. And it's hashtag cowgram. Okay, I'm writing that down because I want to put that in cowgram. Love that. Yeah, that was the invention of our marketing director. And it's her son, who's a junior in high school who is playing the mascot. We've done over 100 visits. Wow. It gives him something to do. Right? Yeah, he's going to use it for his senior essay, getting ready for college. Yeah. Oh, that's great. 
You know, as I continue to hear stories from you, it just reinforces to me that there are so many opportunities. You just have to put your creative hat on and think in a little bit of a different way. Not trying to do more of what we were doing, because right now that's we have some limitations on it, but how can you still stay in your lane, stay known as the confections, sweets person, the go-to person in your case, but twist it a little bit just for the time being? Yes. I'm very optimistic. I'm excited for you, Kim. Thank you, so Thank you very much. <laughs> I so appreciate you coming on, sharing your story, sharing some of the twists that you did, because that might spark an idea for someone who's listening. Do you have any final words for people who are just starting out or people who are struggling in this time? Just some words of motivation and inspiration? I think just every day, try to do something in your business something, just try something new, talk to someone about your business, share something, just really be consistently sharing and talking about your business. I think consistency goes a long way in having people remember who you are and what you're doing. And every day, a different person might see your business or might see what your offerings are and trigger something for that person or someone who knows someone. You just never know who's listening. So don't give up. Just be consistent and share your message every day. Beautiful. I love it. And that's exactly what you've done here. Shared the message and shared some great ideas. And what I love about your industry overall is it brings smiles and celebration and happiness to things that are going on in life. And we're still all here and celebrating and you're helping us do that. Thank you so much. Once again, I so appreciate having you on the show. Thank you. This was a great conversation, and I appreciate you having me on. Kim is saving her business, and along with it, helping others save their businesses too. I get goosebumps thinking about it. I was saying to a friend just the other day that the key to not becoming an emotional victim right now is action, and that's exactly what Kim is demonstrating. If I had to pick a part of the conversation that was my favorite, It was about all businesses being essential, because they are to someone, and how she took action and decided that Kim's Cottage Confections was essential. She made sure of it. Next week, we'll be talking with another small business owner and hear how she pivoted to respond to today's world. You don't want to miss it. And if you're not part of The Breeze yet, you definitely want to join us there. You'll hear more about it right now. Take care, be safe and well, and I look forward to us being together again next week. Bye for now. I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze. Today, 